Welcome to episode 42 of the Forward from 50 podcast, where we interview people over 50 who are pursuing new direction for their lives. It's an opportunity for men and women to tell their stories their way in their own words. I'm Greg Gerber, the founder of Forward from 50 and your host for today's show. Today, I'm interviewing a man who spent much of his life living in Illinois and working in cybersecurity. But after turning 50, he and his wife moved to Tennessee, where he launched an internet platform to bring people ever nearer to Jesus. Troy Stone King and his wife Sally raised two boys in Illinois, where he worked training people to be more aware of cybersecurity threats and how to respond to them. When the boys grew up and started lives of their own, the couple opted to move to Clarksville, Tennessee. The move opened doors for Troy to greatly enhance his faith. Through that process, he felt called to help others strengthen their faith as well. His blog, Ever Nearer, seeks to answer some of the more challenging questions people have regarding the Christian faith. The topics he addresses generally focus on two areas. First, what does the Bible say about a certain topic? Second, how can people apply that biblical wisdom to their lives? To tell us what prompted him to embrace this new mission, which also worked to renew his faith, increase his passion, and give him an enhanced sense of purpose for his life, please welcome Troy Stone King, the founder of Ever Nearer, to the show. Thanks for joining me today, Troy. I really appreciate the the time. I've been looking forward to this interview for a long time. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Right now, I live in Clarksville, Tennessee, but we just moved down here in July of 2022. We've been here a bit, about a year and a half, but I'm a native of the state of Illinois. I spent my whole life in Illinois until we moved down to Clarksville, Tennessee in July of 22. And was that a big shift for you? It was a big shift, but a very positive shift. Many things change in a great way when we made that shift. One factor in that was that we were moving away from our grown children and our two grandchildren, but this is the place God has us, and I'm glad we are here. How many kids do you have? We have two two adult boys, both married, and then one has, he and his wife, his lovely wife, they have two kids, two okay. grandchildren. So what did you do before you turned 50? From the perspective of a career, I've been in the same role, I've been in the same career for most of my adult life in information technology. And I've been doing cybersecurity training. I'm a cybersecurity trainer and cybersecurity assessor. And I've been in that role for 15 years at this point. So my job, yeah, cybersecurity. That is a job security because there is no shortage of people who are trying to break into computer systems. So you'll always have a job if you want it. That is for sure, brother. That is absolutely true. After 50, you, your life took a different direction a little bit. You started playing around with a passionate thing that you wanted to do. What is that? That is very true. That is very true. So what I do in my passion is, Greg, I had a, a change in my life where the Lord moved me away from going through the motions faith into a fully engaged faith. And Not long after that transition began, he led me to start writing daily posts about scriptures that I was reading in my scripture time in order to encourage others and to help them to grow closer to the Lord. And so you started a blog? So I started a blog and it's been going now for a bit over a year at this point. I've been doing the daily writing, which is on, it's on social media, it's on Facebook, it's on LinkedIn. But I've been doing the other blog for just over a year now. And the the website, of course, is evernearer.com, evernearer.com. And in that blog, the goal is to 
answer questions that Christians ask, difficult questions that Christians ask. And some of those questions come from friends, and some of them come from contacts on social media, and some of them come from things that I'm reading about. But that's the goal of that blog, is to help people grow closer to the Lord by answering some challenging questions. That's very cool, because that was a big stumbling part or a stumbling point in my faith as a teenager. I had a lot of questions. And I would ask the group leaders in my Bible group and the pastors, and they really didn't have the answers. And I considered them softball questions today. So you take those seemingly complex questions and break them down into easy answers? That's the goal. Very good. That's absolutely the goal. And the way that it works are there there are really two kinds of questions from a broad categorization standpoint. The first category of questions is like you're asking. Okay, but what does the Bible say about this? Or what does this in the Bible mean? And the other type of question is, how do I apply this in my life, in specific areas of my life? So those are the the broad categories of questions that I deal with ever near. That would be a good deal because reading the Bible is one thing. Applying a 2,000-year-old manuscript to 2023 is challenging for some people, but it's possible if they know how it applies, how those ancient truths still apply today. That's exactly right. What prompted you to start this? The fact that the Lord was teaching me in these areas. And I've had a, I've had a passion for writing for a long time, Greg. I used to do a blog related to marriage, and I used to teach marriage classes. My lovely wife and I used to teach marriage classes. So I've had a passion for writing for a period of time. I haven't written any books yet, but that's probably on the horizon relatively soon would be my guess. But it's because when I have something the Lord has drawn me towards, I want to, I have the heart of a teacher, I want to share that information with others. And, and so when I'm growing and learning, I want to help others to grow and learn as much as possible too. So you're reading something interesting in the Bible or in some other book that you're reading, and you just want to share that information with others. And so you yeah. started the blog. Share the insights from the Bible or from the book and share the insights that I feel like I'm getting from the Holy Spirit. So anything I post that is wise is straight from God. Anything that's not wise, that would be Troy. (laughs) Did this require any special equipment or training for you to get started? No, not for the blog beyond just the ability to put together a basic website. Mm -hmm. And then from there, it's a laptop computer and it's some kind of word processing program in there. But technical skills help. And of course, my background's technology, information technology, so that that part wasn't challenging. No special equipment there. So if I, because I'm not doing a podcast or anything, it's really just text. So I'm using my phone, I'm using my laptop, no special equipment for that. And it was relatively easy for you to develop your own website? Okay. Oh yeah, I've developed multiple websites over, over the years. Very good. Uh, as, fine, as a financial investment is concerned, was it a big hit for you to do this? Or is it just something that you were able to factor into your budget? We've, uh, it was able to be factored into our budget. It's not an insignificant amount of money. We're talking, if you did it over the course of the year, probably a few, a couple thousand dollars. So it's not a gigantic financial investment. The main investment, Greg, in it is time. Right. Now, as far as the daily posts are concerned, that just flows out of me at, in, in the mornings. That's no big deal. I spend an hour to an hour and a half in my devotional time. And, and part of that, maybe 10 or 15 minutes of it is is the writing. It's the writing of the blogs. It certainly takes more time. 
Okay, so that's interesting. So you're doing your quiet time Bible study in the morning, and then out of that comes the post. It's, I learned this today, I'm going to share it with you. Or you hear the voice of God saying, I need you to share this with other people. When I am doing, when I'm starting my Bible, my, my quiet time in the mornings before I read the scriptures, and, and I always have a reading plan. I've learned that it doesn't do well to whip open the Bible and point at a verse method. That's not a very good way. But when, before I start the actual time, I ask the Lord to reveal to me the word he has for me and the word he has for others. And sometimes it's the same. Sometimes when I'm writing these posts, it's for me as much as it is for anybody else. But I always ask for the Holy Spirit to reveal the word for me and the word for others. That's smart. You had said that you felt called to go deeper in your faith because you were, how did you describe that? I was really just going through the motions for many years. And what do you mean by that? That means that you do all the Christian things. You go to church, maybe you serve once in a while, or you serve because you feel obligated or because somebody asked you to. You go to a small group, perhaps when it's not terribly inconvenient. You read the Bible because you feel like you should read the Bible, but you don't really pay a lot of attention to it. And you're doing a really short bit in the Bible. And then when you're praying, you're basically asking God for your grocery list. Here's all the stuff I'd like you to give for me, God. And then when you're done asking for your grocery list, you're like, and see ya. And then you don't think about God. You don't engage with God. You don't communicate with God throughout the rest of the day. But you do the things that Christians do. You don't go doing blatant sins and you care for your wife and you care for your family and you're nice to people, but you're not engaged with God. You're not engaged with the Holy Spirit fully in your heart. And what prompted you to go that direction? When I started a reading plan based on the New Testament, and there are lots of great different reading plans that you can use, but I I started a reading plan based on the New Testament. And it was going through the New Testament in a year, which means that there were times when it relatively long passages and times when it was shorter passages. But what made the difference, Greg, was that it was an organized path through the New Testament. So it allowed me to get the sweeping narrative of the New Testament while also seeing the details in the different passages that I was going through. So as I'm going through this sweeping narrative and seeing the details, God is really grabbing my heart with things like, this is how I loved here. Do you love in this way? Or this is what I revealed here. Is this in your heart? Is this in your spirit? So as I'm going through, I'm, the Holy Spirit's really engaging into me. How does this apply in your life? Or is it applying in your life? And then I just developed a passion for, okay, let's keep reading. Let's dig deeper. Let's learn more. That's how the process started. That would be a challenge. Is this applying to your life? That would be a hard question to answer sometimes. Yeah. And I see that show up in the daily posts sometimes for myself. I'm like, oh, I just wrote this. And then I'm like, oh, I just wrote this. I probably should do it. (laughs) I may not be doing this to the degree that I'm encouraging other people to do it. So then I got to do a little bit of ribbon and engagement in that area. What can people do themselves to increase their engagement? You had mentioned you had learned that through Bible study. And that's the number one thing that I've found for spiritual growth was reading the Bible through its entirety. Your level of spiritual growth, your level of spiritual growth is restricted by how much you spend time in the Bible. Your spiritual growth is, is, is limited, just completely limited 
if you're not spending time engaged in the Bible. If you're not spending time reading the Bible, if you're not spending time studying the Bible, your level of spiritual growth is severely limited. The Bible is what makes all the difference. And you're like, what about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit speaks through the Bible into your spirit. You know that the Bible says it's living and active. It's not going to be living and active if you're not engaged in it on a regular basis, if you just haphazard with the Bible. So as you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit speaks into your spirit through the words of the Bible, through the words of Jesus, through the words of the Lord, through the words of the disciples, through the words of the prophets, all the areas of the Bible, God speaks to you through, but not if you're regularly not engaged in it. Is there a process that you recommend that people go through when they approach Bible study? Absolutely. First up, get a good reading plan. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter what the reading plan is. Maybe it's the New Testament year. Maybe it's the whole Bible in a year. Maybe it's a focused study of a particular book of the Bible. But get a reading plan first. The reading plan provides for you both direction and accountability. I know what I'm going to be reading, and I can check the box that I did. Now, it's not about checking the box. Checking the box just makes sure that you're staying inside of that reading plan. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this, prayer. The second thing is prayer. And you're like, oh, prayer. I know all about prayer. I thought I did too. I thought I did too. But I discovered through through reading another book, it's a book by Jennifer Allwood. Greg, I'll have to look to see what the book is. But it's a book by Jennifer Allwood. And in in chapter 13, I actually remember the chapter number, which is weird. But In chapter 13, she said this about prayer. Prayer isn't about just praying to God. Prayer is about listening to God. When I do prayer now, and this is how I help, how I support others in doing prayer. Oh, I know what the book is. It's called Fear is Not the Boss of You. Fear is Not the Boss of You by Jennifer Alwyn. But prayer is not about, it's not about just asking for God. It's about asking God for things, about listening for God. So, when I do prayer where I'm asking for the things that the, I want the, the Lord to do in my life and for the people that I love, because Jesus told us to ask, that's legitimate. But then I also spend time listening for the Holy Spirit. I stop praying in my out loud or in my mind, and I say, Holy Spirit, I'm here. I'm listening. What do you have for me? And then I just, Greg, I just sit quietly. Do you have a pen and paper there to listen, to write down what uh, you hear from the Holy Spirit? I don't have a pen and paper. Okay. I'm not a journaler. Isn't that interesting? That is. I'm not a journaler, but I do immediately after that, do the little daily post right okay. after that. But it makes all the difference in the world, Greg, to listen for the Holy Spirit. Because if we're not listening for God, then we're not engaged in a conversation. We're engaged in a soliloquy. That's it. That's it. Here, God, here's all the stuff that I want. I'm telling you what I want. This is my lecture for you. But if we're listening for the Holy Spirit, then we allow God to speak back to us. It's then that it's a conversation. And we learn so much more from the Holy Spirit beyond just what we learn by being participants in the form of speaking to the Lord or asking the Lord for things. So So those two things, one, getting engaged in the Bible, using a good reading plan, spending time in the Bible, and waiting for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And I got to say something, Greg. If somebody says to me, I'll have time to read the Bible, that's not the problem. The problem is 
prioritization. If you're in a stage of life where you've got young children, then yeah, maybe they're going to wake up super early and you're going to help your kids and take care of your kids and feed your kids and stuff. But there is almost no one who can't find some time to engage with the Bible and be in prayer. And if anybody pushes back on that, I'm like, hit me because I'm busy. And I've been in periods of time where I had kids and we were busy. There is always time. Is there There's an an ideal amount of time that you recommend that people spend in Bible study and prayer? I wouldn't recommend a specific amount of time. And there have been occasions that for me, it's been five or 10 minutes because we're doing something super early in the morning. So I'll do the reading plan I'm doing right now is through the Bible in a year. And there are four, four areas of reading in it. There are two areas in the Old Testament, two areas in the New Testament. But if I've got something super crazy early that we've got to get to, I'll do one of those areas and then I'll pray, but I'll still pray. And I'll still almost always do the little post on that. But I would say this, unless there's a very immediate time issue that you cannot get out of, if you're spending less than 15 or 20 minutes, you're not spending enough time. Very good point. And I'll tell you this, by the way, I want to say this, and I don't want anybody to get from this that I'm holy. Or holier than that. Right now, my my time, my quiet time in the mornings is somewhere between, usually between an hour and a half. Wow. Yeah, I know. I know. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous compared to the way I used to be. I can remember uh, that from Promise Keepers many years ago, going to one of those functions and the speakers on stage were talking about how they spent an hour or two every day in Bible study and prayer. And it's who can do that? So how did you get to the point where you did that? Did you start doing that at an hour and a half to two hours a day? Or did no. you start? And, and I didn't have a I didn't have a goal to do an hour and a half or two hours a day. My goal was follow the reading plan and pray. That was it. But then I found out that some of the reading plans take more time. And I also found out that when I add that quiet time where I'm listening for the Holy Spirit, it completely changes my attitude for the day. It completely changes my perspective on what's happening around me. It completely changes my relationships. And that time, that time might be 10, 15 minutes its own. It's usually not. It's usually five to seven minutes. But I cannot cheat that time and expect to be fully engaged with the Holy Spirit. And then, as I mentioned, it's going to take me 15 minutes or so to do that little post, 10 to 15 minutes to do that post. But I don't want anybody to say, I guess I got to find an hour and a half every day. No, you don't. No, you don't. Eventually, it will become so important and you'll see so much value that you'll want to spend more time. And it starts crowding out the other less important things. Because like you said, it goes back to prioritization. That's exactly right. I read, a book, exactly right. I read a book a few years ago by Bob Bodine called Two Chairs. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. but I've he, heard of it. I haven't read it. He talks about the having a conversation with God, and he does that every morning. And what he said is that he often gets insight about what's going to happen that day so that he can already prepare for it and things are not catching him off guard or it just, in his spirit, he knows how to, to respond to things that are going to happen to him that day. And for that reason, he said it's a time saver because he Absolutely. knows in advance sometimes what's going to happen and how he's going to have to respond to that. He's exactly right. That's he's exactly right. The Holy Spirit will guide you 
through your day if you are engaged with the Holy Spirit. And then you're posting every day. So you're including your Bible study plus, and these aren't long posts, right? They're like a couple hundred words. So it's just. Yes. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're like a couple hundred words. You've had somewhere that they've been really long or involved posts, but that's not the norm as a general rule, right? When that you're is sending, correct. So yeah. You're sending out a, a newsletter or are you calling that a newsletter or just a, an email? Uh, I'm, I'm calling it a newsletter, okay. but really is. It's really nothing more, Greg, than my weekly blog post in the form of email. Because some folks will go to the blog post when I, because I share the blog post on social media as well. Mm-hmm. And then some people will want to read the email. So it's just, this, it's the blog post on that. And I should point out, I don't do the, the short daily posts on the day that the blog post comes out because I share the blog post on those days. So I guess I'm only doing six out of seven days, but I'm sharing a blog post that day. So it's okay. Okay. And the blog posts, they run anywhere from 800 to 2,500 words, depending on the topic. Are people asking you questions and submitting them to you for you to respond to? Some people are sending me questions. Okay. Yes. But most of the blog posts are not from directly asked questions. They're from conversations I've had with people. And then it brings up a thought or a time in the Bible or a a current topic. So that's where the questions mostly come from. But every once in a while, yeah, I get a question. Have you ever done a spiritual gifts inventory? I have done a spiritual gifts inventory. And what would your spiritual gifts be? My primary spiritual gift is teaching. Teaching. Okay. Which probably would be no surprise at that point. So primary spiritual gift would be teaching on that and exposition which makes sense as well because it's tied to teaching and it's digging deeper into the topic and trying to make the topic clearer to other folks. Super. Is it important for people to do that, to know their spiritual gifts? I wouldn't say that knowing your spiritual gifts is critical to growth. Mm -hmm. Because if we say you can't grow if you don't know your spiritual gifts, then you're basically putting spiritual gifts in the same category as personality tests. Oh, where are you at on the Enneagram? (laughs) It, It can be helpful to know what those are. But what's more important is to spend that time in the Word, spend that time in prayer. And it can be valuable to know your spiritual gifts, especially if you're trying to determine, okay, how should I serve in church? What are some roles in church that would be best for me? But spiritual gifts, assigning them too high a value is going to distract you away from just growing closer to the Lord. I agree. It's getting to know and hear His voice. That small, yep. s- small, still voice that just, it's very hard to perceive sometimes because we have a lot of noise bombarding us yeah. all the time. And so it's, how did you finally figure out what God's voice was when you were sitting there in silence, as opposed to our enemy who's trying to throw you off course and keep you away from hearing that voice? Greg, how do you learn how, what the voice of any friend is? Mm-hmm. You spend time with him. You spend time with him. Here's what I know. When I'm reading the Bible, it's the Word of God. It's not something from the enemy. When I'm sitting in that time, the enemy can throw some stuff in my mind, but he doesn't have as good a shot at it if I've just been reading the Word of God and if I've just asked the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to me. So when I ask the Holy Spirit for truth, I can be pretty sure it's the Holy Spirit reading truth to me. What gets us away from the truth is not spending time with the truth. The reason... ah, Okay, I'm going to soapbox just a little bit here. Okay. The reason that most Christians, and and I I was this guy, I was this guy. The reason that most Christians are weak in their faith 
is because they're not dedicating the time necessary to read and understand the Word of God and to listen to the Holy Spirit. I'm like, you're like, sure, you're going back to the same topic. I know, but that's where everything comes from. Why do you think God gave us his written word? So that we can better understand him, so we can better learn of him, and so we can better grow in him. Christians fail in strong faith because they don't take the time to engage with who should be their best friend, the Lord himself. That's where we lose it. Very good. That's the source of where we lose it. So you do your study first thing in the morning. Is that right? Yes, sir. That is correct. Is that what you recommend to people? Or is there just when you have a time, just so long as you're consistent? If it's possible, if it's possible with your life stage, and I know there are challenges with some stages of life, if it's possible with your life stage, I highly recommend the morning. And you know why, Greg, because it sets the tone for the whole day. Exactly. Now, if your life stage prevents it at some times, then do it later in the day. But don't miss a day spending time in the work. Right. And that way, if it's done early in the morning, it's out of the way. You don't have to worry about trying to schedule it later when other things are coming at you hot and heavy and you're trying to just deal with everything that's coming in. I know. You you don't want to try and squeeze God in between things. Right. (laughs) It's like paying your tithe. What does God get? The first 10%. What does God get of your day? The first part. That's a good point. I know some people like to do their study at night right before bed so the Word of God is on their mind as they're going to sleep. I guess it's whatever works for you, just so long as it's consistent. I think that's great. I think that's great. I would tell those folks, do both. Do both. Do some in the morning. Do some in the evening. Bookend your day. (laughs) It's an even better idea. How did this new direction change your life? The biggest change for me has been becoming a Jesus follower, not just a Christian. Okay. And there's a difference there. There's a difference. And I've got a blog post about uh, what is a Jesus follower or Christian versus Jesus follower, but there's a difference there because being a Christian has become a a social identifier. I I am in this political party or I'm in this club. I'm a Christian. It's become a social identifier. And you know that's true. Because if you look at some of the churches, they are, quote, Christian churches, end quote, but they're not engaged in biblical practices, or they're engaged in practices that are clearly anti-biblical. They're not Christian churches. Mm -hmm. Well, the main change it did for me, Greg, is I went from being a Christian to being a Jesus follower. Jesus didn't say, become Christians. He said, follow me. That's right. So that would lead to an interesting question when Jesus is talking about separating the wheat from the chaff and the the goats from the sheep in heaven and how many of his followers say, but Lord, didn't we do this for you? And he said, I never knew you. Is that the difference between a Christian, as you described it, and a Christ follower? Is that I would say that's certainly part of it. Okay. That's certainly part of it. Because when you hear Jesus say, uh, I never knew you, you can do godly work and not know God. If you go back to, to, the way I, to the way my life was before I became fully engaged with the Lord, I was doing godly type work. I was doing Christian-y stuff. I was going to church. I was going to small group. I was being nice to people. But 
I didn't really know the Lord. And from that perspective, I guess he didn't really know me, mm-hmm. not in the way that he wanted to know me. Okay. So when it comes to your salvation, would you say that you were better saved now that you're spending more time with Jesus as opposed to maybe not saved before when mm-hmm. you were going through the Christian motions? All right. All right. Let's talk about <laughs> salvation. Let's, let's get into this one just a little bit. So salvation is tremendously simple and doesn't have a lot of requirements. In fact, if you go, I'll give you the, the, the easiest example of this is the thief on the cross. Right. On the three, thief on the cross, all he said to Jesus was, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you'll be, be in paradise. He wasn't baptized. He didn't do a sinner's prayer. He wasn't involved at church. He didn't go to synagogue. We don't even know what happened, how this guy got on the cross. Whatever criminal acts he did, all he said, Lord, remember we, me when you come into your kingdom. He was saved. He was saved. So let's not overcomplicate salvation. Salvation to me is, I ask the Lord to forgive my sins, to come into my heart, and I'm going to plan to follow him. That's salvation. Yes. Salvation. Now, you can be saved from that perspective and not be fully engaged. Mm-hmm. Now, so what's the difference? The difference is, and some people will reject this, but it's biblical. The difference is, when we go to heaven, there are different rewards exactly. for people who get There are different rewards. Some people are going to have greater rewards because they were fully engaged and because they were very fruitful. And other folks are just going to be there and glad to be there. You're like, is God fair? God rewards us according to our works. He doesn't save us through our works. Salvation is free, but we're rewarded based on our works. That's right. Everything we do on earth goes through the fire, right? What survives, we're rewarded on that. So That's exactly right. If we're sitting, if we're over 60 and we consider ourselves a Christian and we're sitting at home watching YouTube videos all day and we don't have time to do Bible study and things like that, we may be saved, but our reward won't be as good or as strong or as beneficial as somebody who is actually engaged in God and carrying out what he tells them to do. And it's not just about the reward in heaven. Right. There's a much greater reward on earth in your heart when you are fully engaged. You'll have a greater passion. And frankly, you'll be doing more good for people when you're fully engaged. So it's not just, I'm, I want to try and build up treasures in heaven so I have a greater reward. How do you do that? By being fully engaged, by loving God and loving others better. Good point. The reward is here and the reward is there. Eternal life starts the minute you get saved, but the rewards also start as soon as you get fully engaged. Some people will hear you speak and say, I could never do this. I would never know what this guy does. Has he been through seminary training or something like that to come up to this understanding? Or is this the things that you've learned just through your regular Bible study? I'll tell you what, I took a couple of religion classes when I was in college, a few religion, I was a religion major for a period of time. And then I, and I got out of that because I was super legalistic. It wasn't the right path for me at the time. So I took, I don't even know, a few religion classes. And then I took a couple of graduate classes, but Greg, that's not really what's impacted me in this area at all. I am not a trained, I'm not a pastor. I don't lead a church. I don't lead a huge ministry. I've got 
people who are engaged in stuff, but I don't have some gigantic ministry at all. Everything that I do has come from what the Holy Spirit has led me in. Some background with the classes, yes, but no, not enough to be where he is moving through me today. I am a product of what God is doing through me. And anywhere where I have weaknesses or failures, that's me. Anywhere where it's helping other people, that's him. But it's not about seminary or training. I've never been to a seminary. I don't have a Bible degree, nothing along those lines. Let's ask a question for the younger folks. If you had to start your life over again, is there anything you'd be doing differently? What do you mean by start? Like from the beginning? <laughs> from when you, yeah, yeah. Not maybe into childhood, but certainly in your adulthood. Here's what I did when I was first saved. I was extremely passionate when I was first saved, but I took that passion down the path of legalism. Mm -hmm. And I became very passionate about the rules that didn't actually exist in the Bible. <laughs> it was those man-made rules, man-made rules. So here's what I would say. Step one, relax a little. Relax a little. Step two, get a reading plan. Spend time reading the Bible. Get in prayer. Listen for the Holy Spirit. And then do what he says. Do what he says. It sounds so simple. And so few people do it. It is simple. And I don't, I don't disparage anybody who's not there because I just got there myself a few years ago. I lived for decades as a, quote, Christian, end quote, but not engaged on that. So we're all at different points in our spiritual journey. The difficulty is if we're in our spiritual journey, maybe you've been a Christian for 25 years, but you don't have 25 years experience as a Christian. You've got one year repeated 25 times. Exactly. <laughs> that was me. That was you. That was me. Okay. And so it became a purpose for you at what point? Do you see yourself building a platform that's even larger, or is this just something you're going to continue doing for as long as God tells you to study something and share what you learn with others? So this is becoming a platform. Okay. This is becoming a platform for sure. And I can see that because there's organic growth on social media, especially LinkedIn. This is really interesting to me, Greg. Uh, I was surprised by it. I do my posting of my daily posts. I do my posting of my blog posts, my weekly blog posts, I do those on three social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. My, my engagement on Instagram is very low, very low. I have a few people who like my stuff on Facebook and, and the stuff is all public on Facebook. All this stuff is public on Facebook that I do on Facebook. I have probably four or five people who regularly like stuff and three or four people that will share it. But on LinkedIn, I have, I don't remember, I don't know, closing in on 3,000 connections. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I started, I had just under 900. And I've only been doing link, the LinkedIn thing for not quite a year on LinkedIn. That doesn't surprise me really, because I've heard a lot of people saying that the next revival is going to come through the workplace, not necessarily mm -hmm. the church. And so there are a lot of hungry people out there in the workplace who are yep. looking for some direction. So that's very cool. Now, I will say that growth on LinkedIn is partially fueled by the fact that when I have somebody that I'm connected with who likes my content, I make a connection request. Or if they reshare it, I make a connection request. So every day 
I'm requesting connections with people who liked or who shared my content. I'm adding on LinkedIn, Greg, anywhere from uh, three to eight people, sometimes as many as 10 people on a day. That's a great idea for building a platform. Yeah. Oh, you like my content. Let's do a connection request or you share my content. Let's do a connection request. And it's growing. Yeah, it's growing quite rapidly in that area, which is yeah surprising to me, but you're right. Good. You're right. The next great field is the workplace, the marketplace. What advice would you have for people over 50 to help them either identify their purpose or passionately pursue it? Greg, is your podcast primarily aimed at Jesus followers? It is not. Okay. All right. Then the way you want to work to identify your purpose is try different things. Try different things. Most people who are over 50 had something they were passionate about when they were younger. Go back to that. You're over 50 now. Most of us over 50 have a bit more time than we had in our 30s and 40s. We're no longer raising small children. And we're either further along in our career and have some more time freedom, or we're retired. So go back and explore some of those passions that you had in the past. You may find that the things that you were excited about in the past, you're still excited about. So that's where I would start. Go back to the passions you had in the past. And if that doesn't provide something to you, then just try different things. Mm-hmm. You may find something you've never done before. You're like, that is awesome. I love that. I just want to keep doing that. I had somebody give some advice a couple of weeks ago. Uh, just start volunteering. Find a place well, in that. your area where you're volunteering. And I love that. Through that service, you may make connections with other people or hear of things that you would like to try as well. But it goes back to trying things. I agree with that. I agree with that. When we moved here to Clarksville, we started going to a church much larger than any church we'd ever been engaged in. And we jumped right into small groups and also into serving at the church. They call them dream teams, the volunteers. They call them dream teams, and we're dream teamers. But what we teach people, because I teach our, our Next Steps class in there, what we teach people is this. If you find a team you're interested in, give it a shot. And maybe you'll love it and you'll want to do it for a long time. And maybe you're like, that wasn't my thing. We'll try something different. That's all we're talking about here. Try something. And if you don't like it, try something different. And Greg, I love that, that volunteer somewhere. You may find a passion in that place, or you may find a passion somewhere else you volunteer. And while you're trying to find something you're excited about, you're serving others. You're helping others. And I should say this, passion isn't something really that you discover. Passion is something you develop. You find an interest, you have a curiosity. And then over time, it becomes a passion. Don't look for the be-all, end-all passion for your life, or you'll be frustrated. That's like a very, very good point. That a lot of people think that, okay, for my purpose, it's got to be big and bold and right in front of me, like a lightning bolt from God. And it's not. You just start trying something, and this looks interesting, and you keep doing it, or you go in a different direction and get a little better at it, and next thing, it becomes a passionate purpose. That's exactly so, right. Did That's you, exactly right. Did you, or were you suggesting that you might have different advice for finding purpose as a Jesus follower? Oh, 100%. Okay. 100%. Absolutely. Now, you're still trying different things. And maybe you're still going back to things you're interested in when you were younger. But when you're a Jesus follower, everything's based off of what are you seeing in the Bible when you're doing your Bible, when you're doing your Bible reading time? What are you hearing from the Holy Spirit when you're in prayer? But also, what are the commands of Jesus that you're not yet following? God will build into you a passion for loving him and loving others in ways that are unique to the way that he's designed you. 
-hmm. But you won't find those. You won't figure out what those areas are unless you're engaged in following what Jesus told us to do. So you go back to the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. Find ways to be engaged in the commandments of Jesus, and he will show you the passions for specific areas in ways that you're carrying out those commands. And would you agree that people were created to do specific things? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. God has designed each of us uniquely. We are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And there are specific good works he has designed for us ahead of time. Now, it won't be, sorry, I'm a little passionate about this. It won't necessarily be, Greg, the same good works your entire life. It's okay to do something for a period of time. And then the Lord will say, now that that season of life with that particular passion is over. Exactly. And, and sometimes it's challenging because you grieve a little bit because you're like, but I did so much here and I loved what I did here. And Lord, Lord, now it's now let's move into this other area. That's part of spiritual growth. That's part of spiritual development. Mm-hmm. We talk about that a little bit as destiny, as being coming to that point where your natural talent, your learned skills, and all of your life experiences come together to do that specific thing that God created you to do. And it might not be by destiny. I'm talking about the thing that you're going to be remembered for the most. It's not like you have one specific destiny and if you miss it, you're going to be done forever. But you know what? It just, I missed it because I'm too old for that now. That's right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I I wouldn't define it as destiny. Okay. I would define it as God's plan for you. But the idea is exactly the same, where those three things come together. Yes. Okay, cool. So you had mentioned that you had found a great church that had a lot of small groups. Is there a, can you give some advice for people who may not feel fulfilled in their church or who are looking to go deeper and would like a church where they could do that? What what would a, a church like that look like for you? First of all, if people want to, they can go back to, to the website because I've got couple blog posts specifically on that. Perfect. I've got one blog post on how do I find the perfect church for me? I have a blog post specifically called that. So that's that. And then I've got uh, another blog post that's related to that same topic, referencing spiritual growth. Super. So I I would look at those, but that's a cop out because I'm like, go read up on it, which I would suggest that you do. But if you're trying to find the right church for you. You need to start with what are the basic tenets in the Bible and is the church teaching those tenets? Let's start there. Let's start there. Because there are a lot of great churches that are teaching biblical stuff and there are a lot of churches that are not teaching biblical stuff. So the most important thing, is it teaching the Bible? Is it teaching the Bible? Now, the next most important thing, is there a place for me to plug in, for me to be engaged? So we came from a small church up in Illinois, and there was a place for us to to do work, but because it was such a small church, there weren't a lot of people in our life stage. So there weren't a lot of opportunities for us to grow closer to others in our life stage. It was a great church, and for people in different life stages, there were wonderful opportunities, but not people in our life stage. So you want to find a church where you can plug in and... Do those two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. A church that allows you to take the gifts and talents and passions God has put into your heart 
and use them to serve the body of Christ and to serve those that body of Christ is looking to serve outside of the church. That's where you find the right church for you. Excellent. How can people connect with you, Try if they'd like to follow you? I will put links to Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, but how could they connect with you if they wanted? Two ways. Two ways. The, the, the links for the social media are probably the, the best way to do that from a day, day-to-day standpoint, if you want to see what's going on every day. And like I said, I get the most engagement on LinkedIn and the least engagement on Instagram. And by the way, I, I don't generally do Facebook friend requests, acceptance for people I don't know. And so, but I'll take connections for pretty much anybody on LinkedIn. Okay. So if you want to connect me on LinkedIn, that might be best from the perspective of social media. And that's where those daily posts are at. And it's also where I share the blog posts. If you want to get directly to the blog, then that's at evernearer.com. And that'll give you the weekly blog posts. And there are 50 some blog posts on there at this point. You could spend a whole lot of time getting sleepy reading all my blog posts. And I will attest to the fact that these blogs are incredible. I have been changed by several myself. I've been surprised at how uncannily timing they are to what I've been experiencing in my own life. I think people should go there and check it out because there's something there for everybody. I appreciate your kind words and any uncanny timing Mm -hmm. is straight from the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Thank you again for your time, Troy. I really appreciate it. And I wish you the best of luck going forward. You're welcome, Greg. I appreciate spending time with you, brother. I enjoyed speaking with Troy Stone King, the founder of Evernear, about his blog and his mission to deepen the faith of others by answering questions from a biblical perspective and then showing people how to apply what the Bible says to their lives. What I liked most about talking to Troy was his admission that he knew his faith could be much stronger and far more involved than it was. He still attended church and led marriage classes with his wife, but it seemed to Troy that he was just going through the motions of his faith. He was not engaged with God during his quiet time nor communicating with him throughout the day. So Troy decided to go all in and become fully engaged. He started a formal plan to read through the Bible in a year, and his prayers went beyond the grocery list of things he wanted from God to actually become a tool to develop greater insight into what the Bible was teaching him. The Holy Spirit often got his attention by asking Troy whether what he was reading or writing about really applied to his own life. When it didn't line up, he repented and worked to bring it back into alignment. Troy has the heart of a teacher. His blog comes out of time he spends with God every day reading the Bible and asking for insight regarding a passage. From that, Troy simply shares what he just learned himself. He said spiritual growth is limited by how much time you spend reading the Bible itself and how engaged you are in truly studying those words, as well as asking for deeper insight in order to apply that knowledge to your own life. Troy said the fastest route to a stronger faith is to follow a systematic plan for reading the Bible from cover to cover. The Bible is living and active, but Troy said it's only active if people are involved in a process to read what it says and apply what they are reading to their own lives. Christians are meant to enjoy a two-way relationship with Jesus, however the only way to have a relationship with anyone is by spending time together in a mutual conversation that involves speaking to and listening to what the other person is saying. Troy calls that being fully engaged. By doing that, Daily Quiet Time gets much more involved and has far greater impact on his life, his attitude, and his perspective than ever before. Although Troy spends more than an hour, many days, in Bible study, prayer, and writing down the insight he receives, he said people need to be spending at least 15 to 20 minutes a day 
engaged with that process. His time with God is something that developed over the years from his decision to spend more time fully engaged in the relationship. So here we are, a few days after celebrating the birth of Christ, and about to embark on a new year that is sure to be filled with increased strife, discord, and stress. Troy says now is the ideal time to get into that habit of reading, praying, and being engaged with God. People can connect with Troy by visiting www.evernearer.com. He is also active on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. I encourage people to subscribe to receive his free weekly newsletter. That's all I have for this week's show. If you'd like help in identifying a purpose for your life or help planning your next steps, I'm offering a free complimentary brainstorming session to members of the Forward from 50 Facebook community. For details, connect with me on Facebook or visit www.forwardfrom50.com. I'll have another inspirational interview on the next episode of the Forward from 50 podcast. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please consider leaving a review wherever you download the episodes.